Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Welcome to a new episode of Looking Good, Feeling Great with Dr. Jeffrey Roth. How are you doing, Doc? I am absolutely fantastic. So I can't believe they're, they, they're letting us keep doing this thing. I know. Yeah, we have uh, several episodes at actually seasons now. And we're over 200,000 downloads. So very exciting. It's very exciting. And thank you for all of you who are actually listening in uh, either on the treadmill or on the uh, way to the office or wherever you will go ahead and, and get us. Thank you very much for downloading us and hopefully continue to try to at least entertain you, if nothing else about plastic surgery and Las Vegas and, and all that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. And so many topics that we've covered. One topic we were just talking about was injectables. Sometimes the downside because everybody focuses on the positive and there's lots of positive. But uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So yeah, this is a, a question that was posed to us. And again, if you have questions uh, in the listening audience, please ask them because we do want to tackle what you want to hear. And I'd rather you spend 20 minutes with me than 20 hours on the internet, right? So the question we have on the subject of injectables, and there's lots of good and upside, but what are the downsides of the injectables? And by injectables, we mean uh, Botox and fillers and, and all that sort of thing. So having said that is, is one, it's important to be safe and to go to injector that's safe. And the patient itself has to, uh, him or herself, has to be safe, meaning we always go ahead and do a history uh, and a physical exam uh, and uh, really try to make sure that everybody's prepared for this. Because so, you really have to go ahead, in my opinion, and uh, treat this uh, with respect. And it's a, it's a procedure, et cetera, et cetera. And so try to get your ducks in a row so as to make the uh, best possible outcome happen. So, okay, so injectables. So we're talking about uh, Botox fillers. Now, with any procedure, you're always looking for the big three, right? So uh, complications, which would be bleeding infection, anesthesia complications, right? So bleeding is, in this particular case, would be bruising or that sort of thing. And that's why when you come in with me, is uh, we ask about um, your, your any recent uh, things going on uh, medically or surgically. But then we also ask about things like medicines, uh, those folks that are on blood thinners, uh, we also ask about, you know, aspirins, ibuprofens, which can also precipitate bruising and bleeding. Then we also talk about uh, uh, things like uh, uh, fish oil, uh, St. John's wort, uh, those sorts of things that can also precipitate bruising and uh, bleeding. And when I was up in the Bay Area, UCSF, when I did my plastic surgery training, this was back, you know, around the year 2000, and uh, people were really getting into um, the herbal stuff, et cetera, et cetera, and we would take these folks to the operating room, and uh, we'd be doing our thing, and they would just be bleeding from, just kind of oozing, not from one particular spot, like a little artery pumper, but just kind of this diffuse ooze. We're like, what the heck's going on here? So we get it all together, and, you know, it's fine, and the patient does fine. And then you wake them up, and you talk to them later, and they go, oh, well, yeah, you know, I, I grow St. John's wort in my backyard, and I right. ate a bushel of it before I came yeah, in that day. Don't think about this. <laughs> Right. And so, and then of course, you know, one third of um, back then, one third of San Francisco was Asian. And so many uh, folks went to their traditional practitioners and thousands of years. And so you have to ask about that as well, because those uh, folks, they may also uh, give the patient uh, something that may uh, cause bruising or bleeding. Uh, so that's why I kind of take a history about that. So that's the, the bleeding part of it. Anesthesia, usually in all of the, the stuff here in this office, the Botox fillers and such, uh, we don't have uh, a general anesthesia for. But we also ask about uh, local anesthesia because we like to go ahead and do dental blocks and that, and that sort of thing. And then also it kind of gives me a good idea of the, the health of, uh, of the patient. So 
Uh, so for me, we ask a, a bit about anesthesia uh, as far as uh, that goes. And then infection, we always talk uh, to the patient. We take a look at their skin, make sure there's nothing going on there as well. And so, uh, so bleeding, uh, anesthesia, complication, infection are the three things that that you look for. Um, people ask, uh, hey, can I get an infection from uh, Botox or fillers? That happens, thankfully, very, very rarely uh, in my 20 plus years of more, gosh, 25 years of injecting how that happened. Uh, of injecting um, stuff in the face, uh, I've really only seen two uh, patients that have gotten some redness. I don't know if you call it an infection or that kind of thing. And we put them on some uh, oral uh, antibiotics uh, and they were fine. But thank God, nothing that you know we would have to admit them to the hospital for or debreed or any of that, that sort of thing. So those are the big three uh, things uh, of, of any sort of uh, procedure, surgical or even a sharp pointy needle uh, going into you and that kind of thing. So that's the kind of the overview, uh, but that's why you try to, uh, to go ahead and obtain a history from the patient. Hey, what's going on with them medically? What are they taking? And then the physical exam as well. Again, the nice thing about um, board-certified plastic surgeon, and again, I'm biased, is uh, one is, is we can fix stuff that goes wrong, usually, uh, but even better, sometimes we can identify things before they go wrong and say, wait a minute, you're on Plavix, mm, you're not getting uh, you know, surgery today or Botox or filler today. Right. And that's a big topic on with plastic surgery, sure. really, in general, right? Sure. So yeah, so we're, we're, that's kind of, <clears throat> we're kind of keyed up to kind of, uh, to, to hear all that. So uh, on to Botox versus fillers. Now, Botox, again, very, very popular, been around for a long time, used to be uh, for strabismus, uh, which is a spasm of a um, eye uh, muscle. And then they f figured out a side product uh, was this is, oh, geez, uh, the less wrinkles. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, let's go ahead and do this for commercial use. So there's a Botox cosmetic and there's also a Botox therapeutic. Botox therapeutic, uh, more for headaches uh, or for spasm of muscle groups, et cetera, et cetera. So, but what we're talking about today uh, is the Botox cosmetic, which we do here. So there are, uh, again, FDA approved areas where you go. And then there's things that are called off-label where you can put the Botox in there to achieve what you want. Uh, and again, as long as you're a medical professional and basically there's papers behind you, et cetera, et cetera, that's all kosher. Um, you don't want to go ahead and stick and stuff in crazy places and, and without the anatomy knowledge, etc. So, uh, so, so what can happen during a Botox injection? <clears throat> well, a couple of things. Uh, one, again, uh, bleeding infection, anesthesia complications. Okay, we talked about that. Two is specifically for the Botox part, you want to be cognizant of a couple of things. The most common thing that I see uh, with uh, injectors uh, is that people will get the Botox and they'll say, gosh, doc, I, I went to this place and it was really, I felt really heavy and my eyebrows kind of came down and uh, it wasn't a good experience. So the move you make uh, on the physical exam is basically I tell people to close their eyes and I say, go ahead and relax, pretend it's 1030 at night, you just want to go home, right? And then I'll put my thumb uh, right above their eyebrow. And you'll see that as people really relax, et cetera, et cetera, their eyebrows will kind of droop a little bit. I put my thumb uh, there on the forehead right above the eyebrow, and then I tell them to op uh, open their eyes. And typically they'll open their eyes and the eyebrow will be lower than uh, what it usually is. And they, their muscle may be fighting against my thumb uh, a little bit. 
What's going on there is, is usually those folks tend to have a little bit of extra skin in the upper lid and your forehead muscle, your frontalis muscle is moving your eyebrow out of the way and the eyelid out of the way so you can see better. So if a very first go around, you completely wipe out somebody's frontalis muscle, that's where you're going to go ahead and get that droop from and that heaviness from, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we try not to have uh, that happen. Oftentimes, somebody who's the first timer with me, I'll say, hey, let's go a little bit more conservative with the frontalis muscle, and then we can bring you back in a couple weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to see if we need to go ahead and do anything about that. And that usually works out uh, pretty well. So that's the kind of heaviness. Now, remember, it takes about four days for the Botox uh, to work. And I'm just saying Botox, but basically any of the neuromodulators, right? So there'll be Botox, Dysport, Xeomin, uh, all three of them. And they're all, they're all good drugs and they all do a good job. So, okay. So, but Botox is, is kind of like Kleenex. Uh, and basically it's become, it's, it's become the household name for it. Okay. So that's the Botox in the forehead. It usually takes about four days to work. And so people, you know, run home and go, hey, it's not working. So it usually takes about four days to work. The first timers tend to say, yeah, I feel a little heavy. I may even have a little bit of a headache. And that's very normal for folks to have a little bit heavy because now your, your body, your muscles are trying to fight against something that is not moving anymore. So it's a little weird. So usually about two weeks is what you have is what you have uh, as far as, uh, as that goes, as far as the Botox goes. The other thing about Botox um, is the no-fly zone. I call it the no-fly zone. And it's in the mid-pupillary line. So you have your pupil, right? Uh, the dark part of your eye. And then if you go straight up above the uh, orbital rim, above the eyebrow, and you go a centimeter on one side and a centimeter on the, uh, on the other side, that area there, I call the no-fly zone. Why? Because you don't want to put any Botox there because there's a muscle called the levator palpebrae which is kind of like a hook and it actually hooks onto the upper lid of your eye and that's where the crease is and that's basically that muscle fires and opens your eyelid right so if you get botox in the levator palpebrae oftentimes the lid itself will come down and that's no bueno nobody likes rocking that look yeah so that's and there's drops you can take to help it and eventually goes away the nice thing about botox is it doesn't last forever and the bad thing is it doesn't last forever so that's kind of how that how that goes so yeah, so that's the no-fly zone. You typically don't want that in the face. And that's why you really can't raise the eyebrow in the midline up because that anatomical space. Now, you can go lateral on the uh, eyebrows, way lateral, still get a little bit of the apicularis oculi, which is the muscle that's around uh, the, the uh, orbital rim, the eye, and you can get a little lifty out of that. We call that the, lifty, the little lifty thing. I've got to come up with a better... <laughs> Is that the technical term? <laughs> I got I gotta come up with a better name for that. I like but, it. Yeah, so Stick with it. the little lifty thing. People love it. So anyway, so um, yeah, and so sometimes that can that can be beneficial. But but that's also the reason why you can't really do a ton of lifting per se uh, of the um, brow with Botox uh, per se, as far as as that goes. All right. So those are the the, the kind of the big the Botox ones. And if, of course, there's always having Botox uh, fade where you don't want it. Uh, for example, it may drift a little bit. And again, you don't want to put it, it usually stays put right where it is, but you want to have a little bit of uh, a margin uh, so you don't get the levator palpebrae, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's kind of the, the, the Botox um, stuff uh, where you have 
more complications uh, are those areas. And again, this isn't cosmetic as much. This is where you're putting it in different spots and you have bigger vessels or bigger nerves right in the neighborhood. And you, you try to avoid that as, as far as that goes. So that's the, that's the Botox downsides. On to fillers. And by fillers, there's all sorts of fillers nowadays. There's the hyaluronic acid, there's calcium uh, hydroxyapatite, which is basically kind of liquid bone. Uh, there's um, the sculpture. There's all sorts of stuff out there uh, nowadays, and some of them have a better safety profile than others. But it's also, you know, the, the wizard, not just the wand, in my opinion, try to do history, try to do a good physical exam, kind of see what, and listen to the patient. And sometimes it's okay to say no. It says, look, I, I can't pull that off. You know, I'm, I'm, right. and, you know, or you, hey, you know, we can do this, but what you really need is surgery, uh, et cetera. But, but the fillers, basically, again, bleeding infection, anesthesia complications. Uh, with the fillers, um, it's a more viscous uh, material because basically you're, with the nasolabial folds, you're cocking a crack, right, as far as, as far as that goes. And so there's a little more volume to it and it's a little thicker volume, et cetera. So, uh, again, you can get, you know, uh, bleeding anesthesia complications, uh, infections, but very, very rare, thank goodness. And by bleeding, I mean typically uh, a bruise uh, or something along those lines. Um, under the eyes tends to bruise a little bit more. Lips tend to bruise a little bit more. So um, so that's kind of where, uh, where that is. The things that you don't uh, want to happen, which, which precipitated the question, is, uh, hey, you know, can you take down uh, an artery and can bad things happen with injectables? Uh, the answers are yes, uh, and it, thankfully they're very, very, very rare, um, but they, they do happen where if you're injecting and you happen to inject into a vessel, that little globular um, entity may go flying uh, into a vessel that you don't want it to be there and occlude it. And then if things distal to that artery, if, especially if there's not a lot of collateral flow, may not do well. So uh, whether that could be skin, uh, whether that can be tissue, whether it can occlude uh, the artery that goes to your eye and cause blindness. Yeah, you know, these things have been documented to happen and they're awful and they're terrible. Um, and so you try to be as cognizant as you can for all of these things. I mean, that's also yeah. the reason why it's so important to have somebody who's very well trained. Yeah. So I, I think that's... Seems important. obvious, but that's... Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. In as much as you want somebody who's trained well and who's experienced and, and knows when to say no or knows when to say, you know, this is beyond me. And that's okay. I refer stuff out all the time because, you know, I'm trained to do a ton of stuff, but hey... You know, when it comes to a cleft lip or palate or whatever, I send it to the university uh, here in town. They do a great job of it, and it's better for the patient. It's better for the kid. I used to do a ton of breast reconstruction, et cetera, et cetera. There, I, I don't do as much of that stuff anymore, and there are some guys and gals in town that are phenomenal. And my litmus test in my head is, is what would I tell my wife? What would I tell my cousin? Okay, right. well, then that's what I tell them. And that's a great, that's a great place to come from. Yeah, that's my, that's my litmus test uh, as, far as, as far as that goes. So, so yeah, so now fillers are, are awesome. Like it says, back in the day when I very first started out, we just basically had collagen, uh, Zyplast and Zyderm for those folks that are uh, listening and are old school like me. But now we have uh, the HAs, the hyaluronic acids, which are very nice. Uh, you've probably heard of, you know, your Juvederms, your Restylins, that sort of thing. They're really nice because they're gel-like, they're squishy, they're a little bit malleable, they're soft. Most of the time you can reverse them if you uh, get 
into a, a bind. Um, so that, that's all good stuff. Yeah, so Botox will typically last um, about four months. Now, my hypermetabolic folks, the folks that are in the gym twice a day, etc., they tend to burn through it faster. Also, my folks that are um, very expressive, my actresses, hi, how are you? Welcome. They tend to go ahead and, and blow through it a little bit faster as well. The fillers, it depends on the type of filler. Your uh, HAs, your hyaluronic acids, can range from six months to uh, a year. There are some there are some other uh, HAs that can last uh, two years. Um, that would be your volumas, et cetera, et cetera. It's a bigger molecule. You put it in a little bit deeper, and it's, it's more for the cheeks, et cetera, et cetera. Those tend to last a little bit uh, longer. Is there a cost difference between those products? Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of a cost difference. And where are you going to put it? Typically, you don't, you, know, you, you don't want to put big molecule stuff really superficial because then you get this thing called Tyndall's effect where it looks a little bit grayish or bluish uh, underneath the skin. So again, it's uh, hopefully... It's experience, annoying, right? Yeah, well, and proper training. You know what, what tool for the job, right? So, hey, I'm going to go ahead and enhance somebody's uh, cheeks. Okay, well, I'm going to use this tool. Oh, he, and they want the lips. Oh, okay, well, then I'll use the other tool. Uh, and that's fine. Right. It's a bit of a being a car mechanic annoying, which a hundred percent. Which I know it's a really basic analogy, but I think it's it's important for people to ask those questions too. And that's an awesome thing. We'll be giving this kind of background helps people make informed decisions. I think right. No, a hundred percent. So an informed patient is always better. So uh, and so, and there's so many things out there now. Some stuff to answer your question can be two years, and that would be uh, your. Calcium hydroxyapatates, that would be your uh, sculptures, that would be sometimes the volumes. But, but again, people say, well, geez, I wish I had something that's permanent in the face. Not really. You typically don't. And, right. and, and I say that from experience in as much as back in the day, and still in some cases, people will go ahead and inject silicone to, uh, to, in the face, which for cosmetic or aesthetic purposes is, is a bad idea. And in fact, it's illegal in Nevada, which is a good law for aesthetic purposes. Because your face changes, but the silicone doesn't. And I don't know how many times uh, I've taken silicone out of faces. Uh, because again, it may move, it may travel, it may come towards the surface, it may do that, that, that sort of thing. Things you don't want, right. <laughs> essentially. Now, some, some stuff, like for example, chin implants, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, because you're fastening it down to bone and, and it goes ahead and really solidifies itself. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not going not to migrate. Yeah, so yeah, or it shouldn't. But yeah, yeah never seen ever in medicine. <laughs> Tell you. Uh, yeah. Less likely. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the surgery will keep you humble. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, you do everything right and you still, as things make a left turn, you're like, I do what we did, everything right. So it happens. And, and that happens too, is basically you can be a terrific injector, you can, you can have a terrific patient, and you guys do everything right and still something wacky happens. And yeah, it happens. So then the next thing is, is, all right, well, what happened? And then, you know, you go ahead and you go through it and say, all right, well, how do we not have that happen again? But in the meantime, you know, what are you going to do with the patient? How are you going to get them through whatever they need to get through, whether it's a, a asymmetric eyebrow? Okay, that's a fairly easy fix uh, versus a drop lid versus uh, a tissue necrosis, which is a whole different, you know, sort of ball game. And then you get called upon again for, you know, critical thinking and solutions to the problems. And then again, a partnership with you, know, you and the patient, like, okay, so here's the issue. Here's the solution. Let's work on the solution together. Yeah, because it really is. I mean, you mentioned that as a partnership. It's not really you treating somebody. It's you do, doing that with somebody. 
them being honest with you, telling you, like you mentioned, the medications they might be taking, and then you do your portion, and then you arrive to what's best for the patient, ultimately, right? Right. And it's a, this, this stuff is elective, right? It's not a gunshot wound in the chest, et cetera, right. et cetera, where you got to go, you know? Uh, so... So this, we have the typically the luxury of time, and um, usually we're able to go ahead and, and put ourselves in the best position possible. So again, like anything else, there's, and, I, and I'm talking about all the bad stuff uh, today, but having said that, is those are all things that are always in the back of mind, but if the stuff wasn't safe, and if it wasn't effective, it wouldn't be the most popular things that we do. It's, it's by far the most popular aesthetic or cosmetic quote-unquote procedure out there is Botox and fillers. Well, and they, and they all have a good track record at this point. It's yeah. been, they've been in use for many years, okay. and that, that's an important point. It's a very important point. And the, and the FDA, and people you know, make fun of the FDA and you know, the Federal Delay Administration and all that kind of stuff, but, but they do keep bad stuff away. I mean, in Europe, there's literally hundreds uh, of fillers, et cetera, et cetera. And some are great and some are not, just like anything else. And they really have to, you know, run the gauntlet uh, here to get approved in the United States. And, you know, we can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But by and large, the ones that are out here now uh, in the right hands, people can feel pretty assured that it's going to be safe, it's going to be effective, and they're not going to come out. Odds are they're not going to come out goofy or harmed or that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's ultimately... What's best for the patient? Um, and is there a typical age that you're seeing? Is there like a demographic that's most common for those? That's a great question. I mean, I would kind of assume something, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. So Botox, <laughs> it's funny because the line keeps getting erased and redrawn in as much as Botox used to be for 50-year-olds and some 40-year-olds. And then the 30-year-olds started showing up. And TikTok and, and Facebook. And <laughs> then, exactly right. Then your TikToks and Instagrams and stuff like and that. Zoom, and so these, Zoom meetings. And yeah. So, yeah, Zoom meetings, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. Which and, we've, we've even talked about. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. So people that you're staring at yourself for exactly. you know, eight hours a day. Right. Uh, gosh. So, yeah, if you're Bo Derek, that's great. If you're me, no, probably not. So now with, like you says, is everybody uh, has a screen in front of them and everybody's on TikTok or Instagram and everybody's using uh, filters and everybody's doing that. And so we're getting, you know, 20s people coming in here and I'm like, why are you here? And so oftentimes they'll say, oh... I want to go ahead and prevent things before it starts. And there's an argument for that. And again, you don't want to make them look goofy or weird. And that's the Botox. Fillers, even more so, because now folks want, uh, you know, the liquid rhinoplasty, the liquid facelift, which basically is filler in certain areas to try to enhance those areas. Gals also want lips. And thankfully, that's calmed down a little bit. For a while there, yeah. these folks were coming up with really... It's a lot of control at times. Really big, crazy, <laughs> right. crazy lips. Right. Uh, I think that that's kind of calmed down a little bit. And, and most gals want a little bit in the pillar and a little bit in the pout uh, sort of thing especially when they're younger, the uh, older folks tend to like that too, but are there mostly to get some um, filler in, to get a little bit of volume in there, to take down some of the vertical lines and wrinkles. So, but at least now we have something that we could use to actually combat that. For years and years, we didn't, uh, but now we do, which is a good thing. But like anything else, um, you don't want to overuse it or overdo it. And then again, there's, you know, I like to think some art uh, to it as well. And again, some folks... Yeah, you're a bit of a sculptor. Right. So, so some folks uh, basically, you know, see a picture and go, oh, yeah, that's what I want. 
standing in front of you like, no, you're really a beautiful gal. You really don't need this. Or we're going to do just a little bit, but not. Getting to that topic, what's your guidelines for you personally? And also, is there an age guideline? Well, yeah. I mean, basically, you want to be over 18 for this kind of stuff, right? So, you know, the nice thing about being a plastic surgeon is you operate on, uh, they used to say, the skin and its contents, right? Which is a joke, but is actually real. In as much as we operate on uh, babies with cleft lips and palates and with craniosynostosis and all that stuff, not myself, but like real plastic surgeons do that. And we operate on um, on people in uh, old folks in, in nursing homes, you know, with uh, decubitus ulcers or cancer reconstructions or hand or burns or whatever the case may be. So to answer your question is they'll come in and we talk about what is now, you know, quote unquote normal. What's the bell-shaped curve, right? So even for like, you know, breast dogs or something along those lines, this is okay, doc. Well, I want to go from an A to a C. Okay. And you want to put yourself in proportion with your hips and shoulders. Okay, great. And, and then some girls come in and go, hey, doc, I, you know, here's the picture. And they're, you know, they come in with, you know, Wendy Whoppers or whatever the case may be. And so for me, I'm like, okay, this is not quote unquote within normal limits. So we're making a aesthetic choice now. So if you like the aesthetic and you want to do the aesthetic choice, then we have to recognize that. And then, you know, there's going to be an upside and a downside. And I tell the folks all the time, again, breast dogs are pretty clear thing is, is some girl that's had eight kids and their breasts are inframammary fold, which is where your breast meets your chest wall is naturally really low. And then that happens on some folks. And I'm never going to be able to achieve, even with all my Frank Lloyd Wright architecture, right? And, and internal bras and blah, 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 the breast where you can put a drink on top of it. Right. So again, it really sort of depends on. And you don't really patient. want that. Right. So, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, they, may, they may think that, but maybe, like you said, when you're really explaining the right. options, then maybe it enlightens them a little bit. So, yeah. So, here we try our best to, to educate as best we can and really think and talk to the patient of, like, okay, what's the motivation? What are we really doing here? Okay, this is why. Okay, great. And then try to fit what they want to reality or at least what I can come up with, you know, re- reality-wise. And and so we have people bringing pictures, and especially the the young ones, they always have, you know, pictures because they're on their phones all the time, et cetera, et cetera. But then we have, again, that discussion of, okay, this person that you have in your phone that you want to be like, she doesn't look like that because of all the filters exactly. and all of the Photoshopping and all the da-da-da-da-da. I said, I can guarantee you if we show up at her house when she's getting ready for work, she doesn't look like Yeah, and they may, may, they may, that person that they're idolizing may have had actually several plastic surgery. Oh, sure. I mean, these days it's not uncommon and we can... Right. The one thing, I guess the one gift of social media is you can see the timeline yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where they started and where they ended up, which is not a bad thing, but I mean, it's photographic you know, evidence. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So thankfully that wasn't around when I was like in high school and college. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I was a good kid. Dad. That's all right. Really. <laughs> Promise. Yeah. So yeah. Uh-huh. That basically is that. So to answer your question is, is yes, we are seeing folks come in sooner and sooner. And I think it just depends on the maturity level of the patient as well. And Hey, you know, I've had folks that are, you know, grown adults and, and they want crazy stuff. Or I'm like, look, I'm not your guy. And that's okay as far as as far as that goes. Right. So, And I think, I mean, also, too, part of, uh, you know, with Botox and those kind of things is something that you could actually start with is really taking really good care of your skin right, to av- alleviate a lot of issues, right? Sure. Well, again, be a healthy person. I mean. Okay, once in a while, uh, have a piece of carrot cake. Really, it's okay. Right? I mean, so I mean, please. But having said that, is is, is folks like, oh, I'm never going to smile again. I'm not ever going to drink out of a straw again. 
you know, live your life, okay? But there are some things that obviously will hurt you. And smoking, pff, number one, and a lot of sun exposure, lots of sunburns, et cetera, et cetera. Suntan booths. Those the, oh, the UV light, yeah, just terrible. Yeah. So those are the two that are really go ahead and mess up, mess up your skin. And we really see that, to your point, on the skin and the UV rays and stuff. And I'm, you know, my office is in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, back in the 80s, uh, it was all about, you know, Hawaiian Tropic and it was in the girls with baby oil and the nurses were the worst because they would put the iodine in the baby oil and just cook themselves. So now everybody's running around, you know, getting little baseless cell carcinomas and worse taken off of them. And I used to make fun of the guy under the umbrella, but now I am the guy underneath the umbrella. We, you know, these kids, we made fun of the, you know, the Hispanic women and the Asian women that walked around with the umbrellas. And they're absolutely right. So they, they, they were way ahead they of They aged so, better than anybody. Uh, yeah, they, they, so, so <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, they got it right. So, and so, yeah, like my, I have, I have a little daughter and her, um, swimsuit looks like a burka, right? It goes, it's, it's it, from the neck to the sleeves to the, to, and to the ankles. And my wife's like, really? And I'm like, she'll thank me when she's 30. So, yeah. uh, and, and we see that in the operating room, especially the folks that live at the beach and everything else like that. And they've been in swimsuits and stuff and they come in for surgeries. And you can just tell the difference between the area that never got exposed because it was always under a swimsuit to the area that was always exposed. And really the skin in of itself is, is really like night and day. So again, the main things we all know what to do is, you know, a lot of water, stay out of the sun, please don't smoke. And then the rest of it is, you know, skincare, which is awesome. And we have some terrific stuff here in the office. And we actually even have your own sun protection line. So yeah, so basically, yeah, it took me 17 years to, to finally get it, I think, right. It's a really good sunscreen and we called it really good sunscreen. And it's a zinc and titanium base, uh, which means it's more like a shield than a sponge. And so it reflects the UV rays off. And even people that have had laser resurfacing can go and put it on. I put it on my little, uh, my little girl. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's terrific stuff. And I think everybody should use, if not mine, then something very similar to that. Because again, um, I think if we can create a little UV light, 20 minutes a day, you, you go outside, you walk around, stuff like that is good, you know, for the pineal gland and vitamin D and all that good stuff. But, you know, the repeated effects of it really can take its toll. Yeah, it just really ages your face. You can avoid a lot of those injectables, <laughs> at least with Botox. It can help if you really just take care of your skin as a beginning point, and then, then it's available. Like anything else. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, you throw in genetics and dumb luck. And, exactly. You know, and then... <laughs> And that's what you can't, you can't fight genetics, that's yeah. for sure. So, but all things considered, yeah, you, you do the best you can. You try to, um, you have to be aware of the downfall of things and then try to avoid them best you can. And if you can't avoid them or they just happen, then yes, you can go ahead and, and address them and try to get the best outcome. Yeah, and there's a lot of great options. And like you said, with, the, with a really long track record, which is, which is amazing. Tell people how they can find you online. Absolutely. We're all over the place. So uh, our cornerstone is the uh, website, which is uh, www.jjrothmd.com. That's J-J-R-O-T-H-M-D.com. And on there, we really set it out to be uh, educational and informative. So there's lots of blogs. There's lots of material. And if you don't see something, call the office. We answer the phone. So yeah, so you can give us a call at the office. And then social media-wise... Obviously, you're listening to me, so we are uh, all over uh, the podcast space, but uh, we also are on the social media space, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. Yeah, we're all over. And, and so, yeah, if you have any questions, 
because this whole episode came from a question today, please do ask because we love questions and we love getting uh, good information out there. Right. And our social media is um, at Las Vegas Plastic Surgery. So just search for that and you'll, you'll be able to find us. And shout out to our producer in France, Nigel J from Voice Rap Studios, does a fabulous job, has been helping us all along the way. And have an awesome day. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.